second take on the welcome. The music was playing in the first one. I don't know how that happened. It was weird. This is you tweeted. You mean it. You tweeted. You get the point. This is you tweeted. You mean it. Another episode. Episode 128 flank. 128 flank. We're in here. We got the toast deck. We got a microphone, we got a phone, we got a keyboard that could play the sound of a phone. I'm not going to do that. It would take too much. The keyboard's really tall right now. I can't read the screen, so I can't go and find telephone and make the classic ring sound. Although now that I'm saying it, maybe I'll do it later and I'll answer the phone or some shit. I don't know. Who knows? That's a tease of what's to come. (laughs) What's to come in a few seconds? Oh, it's layered. I found it pretty easily. I don't know how exactly, you know, just press that negative button, that minus, that dash, if you will. Uh, got my book with me, my notebook. It says notebook. Again, I shuffle a little bit. Smoking a cigarette. Put that out. I gotta shuffle cards. I can't be smoking. Cigarettes. Oh, I'm shuffling horribly. This is not going well. Feeling very not ready to do this. But also feeling like I could kick this out in a couple of minutes. This won't be... Actually, you know how long the episode is already. I keep dropping cards. I am your host, Lord Byron, also known as Byron Broussard, a.k.a. Black Rocker on Twitter, also known as Lord Blackrocker on Instagram. I'm not just me.com is the website. I do have merch on the website that I'm selling myself, you know. It's uh, I got like short stories on the merch page. I got readings. I got shouts out on you tweeted you mean it. I got a donate button. You can interact with all of this at I'm not just me.com. That's I am N O T J U S T M E dot com.
check out the merch section section. The music section is the ghosts of the past. Alistair Crowley Deck, how would you like to say hello? We flip an outward indolence, number eight of cups. Indolence. Looks like when there's not enough to go around. Cups are, of course, water, water emotions. I guess we'll get to the tweets. And the tweets we have, check out my latest podcast. You tweeted you meaned it on Podbean, episode 127. Those are all the tweets. Uh, (laughs) I've got two stand-up records. Let's see what their titles are. I think one's accountability and the other one's something else. Soul and accountabilities. We've got 30 minutes of stand-up recorded here, these two. So the podcast is going to at least be 40 minutes. (laughs) I don't have much to talk about. Uh, I read a cool, not read, I listened to a cool Stephen King book called Billy Summers. That was very fun. It was a book that was not scary and not supernatural. It was just a story. It was barely even fiction, honestly. (laughs) It was set in this world. They mentioned Trump. They mentioned COVID. It was a really cool story, though. It was compelling. It was written simply. Like, a lot of the the dialogue and direction were simple because the character was playing stupid. And it was just a good book. It really, it's like... I often feel like not doing as much as I can as a writer, because I'm literally not doing as much as I can as a writer. As compared to other people, I listen to Stephen King's On Writing, where he explains how he does his books and where he gets his ideas and shit. It's really cool, but the main thing was that he writes like every day when he's got a project for like months before taking a break. And taking a break is when the project is first drafted. <laughs> and then the rewrites and shit. I don't think I've ever rewritten, done a rewrite. Oh, no, I have done a rewrite on one of mine. 
my first attempt at fiction, I did a rewrite on that. And I made it into a screenplay. I'm a short stories. I don't rewrite them. Anyway, he writes like every day. I uh, was at stand up uh, during the night I recorded the 20 minute set. And uh, I got a revelation about my book from watching movies. I've been watching these old, not old, they're actually new movies. But they're about old Japan and samurais and stuff. I think it was Romy Kenshin or something like that. They called him Patosai. <laughs> he had like three names. I don't know why it was called Romy Kenshin. They called him Patosai. Then he had like a whole nother name, which is probably Kenshin. I don't know. Maybe roaming means like roaming because he was a wanderer. Anyway, uh, it was good movies, but they were like, there was this one scene where um, Batosai, let's say, uh, cuts down this um, mercenary type dude. They're not a mercenary, they're really just a group of people attacking and he cuts them down and the dude's like, wait, you can't leave without killing me. Like there's no way to die honorably anymore. Oh no. Hold on. Pause. Hello again. So the dude about to say, cut somebody down without killing them. And he was like, there's nowhere to die with honor anymore. And that got me thinking. In my story. How can I have the character leave without solving the problem? To the question. I guess. I haven't been leaving much of the story up for for mystery up to this point. So it's like, why? Why try mystery now? To the question, what does a warrior do when there is no war? I was given the answer. Uh, pussy. And so I think that would be a good turning point. But it's like now that I've gotten to this part of the story where science, the science is like nailed down. It's now like I have to write a story again. <laughs> it's like I have to start writing the book after I've written this much of the book. It is annoying. But it is what it is.
And if I had rushed through the book before then, before this, I don't know where I would have taken it. I don't know if I could have rushed through it. Maybe I could have, but it would lead to rewrites, which I have not done. So maybe my procrastination style of writing isn't as horrible as it seems, but who knows? This thing has existed for upwards of eight years, nine years, unfinished. But it's chugging along. Oh, it's the curly toe deck. What do you think about new directions? We flip a number six of cups. Pleasure. Six of cups. Cups, of course, the water and emotion. Emotional pleasure. <laughs> I guess getting the stand-up out of the way makes the most sense. The beginning songs were Sir Sly, High, and uh, Glass Animals, Youth. I gotta get the keyboard ready. First set is from Ohio, it's called Accountabilities. It was very disconcerting. You know what I'm saying? It was scary. 
I was like, one guy, ah, fuck that. Fuck that, I'm gonna study magic. Matthew's like, you know, there are 162,000 other gods. I'm like, holy shit. What the fuck did I do? Shit, just been a Christian, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Where my people who study magic and go back to church at? Yeah. <laughs> Y'all ever hear that shit? Like, uh, tragedy happens in threes and shit? True. I've seen like, like three of my friends get into car accidents recently, and I was like, damn, I bet they blame God. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I would blame God. Like, shit. Shit happens in threes. Who else can do that shit? Who else got that power? That's not some dude in a business suit like, I'm gonna fuck over three of this person's friends. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? That's a man in the clouds with too much power and time on his hands type of shit. <laughs> but nobody blames God. Nobody's like mad or anything. <laughs> you know, I think God's a bully, you guys. And as evidence, there's at least three stories in the Bible of God doing some bully-ass shit to humanity, you know? There's like the flood. There's like the dude who was supposed to kill his son. There's like a bunch of other shit. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what's crazy? Like when you stop worshiping God and shit, you can only blame your problems on yourself. Like you guys, you guys ever try to convince people that you're your own God? You guys ever like talk around the fact that you're all powerful? You got that personal power. It's real fun until you slip on a banana peel. You know what I'm talking about? Slip on a banana peel in public, you're like, ah, that shit didn't happen. Fuck bananas. Bananas don't even exist. Can anybody who thinks a banana exists kill them? You know what I'm talking about? Just get real angry at bananas. Accountability's funny. <laughs> it's like my uh, Sunday special uh, ending to this joke. Accountability. <laughs> it's hard, but it's also funny. You can do it too, guys. Uh, you guys ever hear two dogs having makeup sex? It's rough, rough, rough. Yes. Do you guys ever hear two dogs having makeup sex in a tree? That's just bark, bark, bark. All right, thank you guys for That set was called accountabilities. Those plural accountabilities. <laughs> um, I'm gonna flip a card. So it wasn't bad. I dislike how many times I'm saying you know what I'm talking about. It's weird. 
It's almost like saying, oh, wait, I used to say, you know. I guess, you know what I'm talking about is better than saying, you know, you know, you know. Filler words. Filler words really work with the cadence, though. Like, because I wouldn't normally be saying anything in those spaces. It's like, instead of laughs in the spaces, I'm like, you know, you know. Anyway, Alistair Crowley, Toth Deck, what do you think about that set? Of an internal, the universe. Trump card number 21. The universe. The next one is the 24 minute set called Soul. This is a very rambly set that I did, and I was told I had how much every time I'd like. It was uh, like 11 o'clock at night. It's very fun. Uh, I can't reach my water. There it is. This is a very dry mouth set. It was intimate. They had maybe like six audience members. Six might be pushing it. There was probably five audience members. There we go. Just say a part now because of this 
it's clicking. I'm like, this is a weird sound I can make this one <laughs> If I was like more confident, I just need bots. Just keywords. But now all I can think of is pussy. <laughs> so that beatbox would not last very long. Anyway, uh, one of my favorite parts of stand-up is saying hello to people. Um, like, it's like my favorite shit, because I get to say hello to everybody at once. I'm horrible at saying hello to people. It's like one of my weaknesses. I walk into a place, see someone I know really well, and say hello. And then see somebody else, and be like, oh shit, do I hello them? I hello now. How many other people do I know? Oh shit, this is too much math. Uh, this part is great. I get to say hello to everybody at the same time. Made up for all the time to it. I get to stumble over the podium. <laughs> this is like, this is bizarre of me right now because I'm behind the podium talking on a microphone. I should have the microphone like this. We have got <laughs> to solve the crisis, people. <laughs> Holy shit, I would not do well in that job. I can get from back there before I blew all my chances in Hollywood. Anyway, say hello is really cool, you guys. Uh, I love to say hello. Anyway, this part makes up for the previous hope and I do it corners. Uh, if I didn't do the hello part, the previous hope would be way weird. I'm going to leave the mic. Recently, I've been doing a bit about how God is a bully. Uh, so, yeah, I don't want to say I have a beef with God, but like, it's just weird, you know? Like, you ever believe in something but not worship it? It's like believing in ghosts, you know? <laughs> I don't want to segregate a relationship to God as a relationship to ghosts, but it's kind of like that, a little bit. <laughs> anyway. Um, I feel like, you know how like weird shit happens in threes, like tragedies and shit? Like for everybody to have like a general consensus on like tragedy happens in threes, like that's some bully god shit right there, you know? Like you can't blame the Illuminati on some tragedy in three shit, you know? Like three friends of yours that have no acquaintance with each other here in two. You know, like maybe a car accident, not bad, but still money, you know. <laughs> like, is that some dude in the business suit? Like, I don't fuck over four completely random people, and I'm only gonna fuck with the mind of one. <laughs> you know, like, that's some god bully shit right there. Uh, God's been doing a lot of bully shit, it's been documented, you know, back in the Bible. He was telling people to kill their sons and shit. I was trying to include this, but I don't think they want to be included. Anyway, um, but, you know, uh, he's like, can we find those prank? Uh, look over there, there's a scribe in the tree. Uh, <laughs> the camera scribe is right over there. 
Ah, man, yeah, the whole fun shit, that's some bully shit. <laughs> I feel like in that story, like, people were supposed to be doing bad or something, and being the deluge or some shit, you know? But then there's the Tower of Babel story. That's some horrible bully shit. That's like people were building a sandcastle, and God was like, knock it off. <laughs> Stop playing together. Y'all separated. You know what I'm saying? Bye, this one. Uh, one time, I, uh, I switched my logic from my imagination. And, like, I started reading, like, nonfiction. I started reading fiction like it was nonfiction. <laughs> That's a hard sentence for me. I'm like, it's nonfiction. Is that the real one or is it the fiction? Anyway, uh, it made a lot of things cooler. It made the Bible way cooler. I was like, whoa, what if this was real? <laughs> Talking about God is weird, but I've been doing it in my entire stand-up life. Uh, one of my first jokes is about if God was my friend on Facebook. I think it was like, God's like my friend on Facebook. We chat all the time in the messenger app. We chat about real intricate shit, you know? But I try to tag this dude with status updates. Like me and God go to the park at 8 for the pizza ducks, LOL. This dude never likes the comments. God never likes the comments. Always leaves me hanging like me right on Facebook, you know. It's like I just want an answer, you know, just public a little bit, you know, maybe. Maybe I'm out at that park at eight, walking around feeding ducks, hello. And I like I trip on my shoestrings, I'm like, God damn shoestrings. I just want everybody in the park to censorship and go to hell, you know? Just an answer. That was like one of my first jokes. <laughs> that joke is wild, but I've always been talking about God and shit. Um, I don't know why. I realize people don't really, it's not really like a hot topic. You know, it's not like a, it's not like being behind a podium ruining my LA chances, you know, topic. It's like a, <laughs> it's like the one before I started on this kind of topic, and I had no idea why. I think that's all that's what I wanted to get around to. I have no idea why I'm doing this, you guys. I am an alchemist. I am an alchemist, which means I have no idea what I'm talking about right now. Also, everything I say is like a really intricate lie. You know, that's just the way I live in the midst of paradoxes and shit. It's very fun.
don't think their, their agenda exists anymore. You know, I never saw a Mythbusters episode where they were like, photographs, not sealing your soul, Mythbusters. That's what I'm saying. I think there should be a documentary. Like, people were afraid of photographs. Like, what happened when videos came out? Like, that had to be really scary videos. Like, that's like a shitload of frames per second. It's like, holy shit, how much soul do you want to lose? What are you doing? Like, holy shit. What happened was like, they made a documentary about it, though. Like, what if they went around filming with these people were afraid of photographs? You know, they just all got sucked into the camera and they put it up in smoke's blood. Probably just, yeah, I like this. <laughs> oh, yeah. That shit would be wild. I wouldn't really watch that documentary, though. I feel like that would, I think that would be sort of like a, a level of, that would be a level of inhumane to make a documentary of people who are afraid of photography. I guess that would be side on torture. So I guess that documentary won't exist, but I'd like to imagine it. <laughs> hey. Is there like this, this idea from the side you have to get like this one? I don't know what she said. Honestly, I wanted to do that. I wanted to be like, yeah, but I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be able to double exposure. Oh, double exposure. Uh, that must be a smart show. Uh, yeah. Not that it was a dangerous You did say you have to be old, so I am feeling old. Maybe I'm halfway there. Anyway. Pictures are cool. You guys know these people who say that they're God? Um, it's time with God, people. That's cool, you know. Oh, yeah, I have mean, no being fair. Um, like, I don't believe any of them unless they have, like, insider info on God shit, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't believe Kanye when he's like, oh, God, you know, let's just, like, what happened with the other guys, Kanye? Like, what's the tea, you know? Like, how do we get to one? Like, was there, like, a a game or some shit or all the guys like her. <laughs> you know, you get thrones, Game of Thrones? <laughs> I think, I don't know. I feel like if Kanye's a guy, then the guy shit could have definitely been like Game of Thrones. But what if George R. R. Martin, like, he wrote that to prove to his friends that he was guy? Look, it's like, you guys come down and I'm like, what? That doesn't make sense, bro. <laughs> so it's like, we were roasting, roasting our dragons. Friends are like, nah, let's go. So he like writes some books. His friends read the books, they're like, wow, man, this is really intricate. It's like, yeah, I know, you've read it. Nah, bro. I'm like, what? This is fiction, bro. <laughs> So he makes like Game of Thrones, the fucking television show. And his friends see that and they're like, holy shit, best show on television, right? And it's like, it's like, yeah, you see it though. You see it, Westeros, you see the dragons. I'm God, 
I was like, nah, man, it's just a television show. <laughs> George R. 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 I was like, you know how many souls I had to steal to make this television show? <laughs> how many extras I had to hire? Like, holy shit. <laughs> bring, bring on that bitch. And the thousands. <laughs> I don't know shit about the frame rates. Is that what we were talking about? Double exposure? Is that less frame rate? Yeah. Wow, that was halfway there. And I grounded it out. <laughs> Maybe I did. What were you saying? Uh, you take a picture, but then like, I take another picture. So, like, yeah. Two pictures at one. Double exposure. Like, oh, oh. like Golden Girls. Oh, girl, like, <laughs> like, uh, I don't know uh, oh, well, what I'm getting your window, but like yeah, the TV portion of that. But I do hear the mechanical part of the TV car. Cool, cool. Um, anyway, pictures are cool. Uh, I know it seems like I got off on a tangent by being uh, cordial. <laughs> but this, I just wanted to say that this is recorded. Um, on my podcast, also a nice moment. My lips are hella dry right now. Um, it's on Hot Beans. 
Grove podcast, uh, the occult, the esoteric, and comedy. <laughs> but this is where this is recorded and shit. And on that podcast, I like to play a game uh, called Spiritual Warfare, where I literally gamble my soul in the, the quantum realm, if you will. Uh, and it's fun, because I, I like playing with, you know, like high state shit. Uh, I like the idea of people winning that shit, because it negates the idea that you can sell your soul for that stuff. I don't think uh, anybody can literally sell their soul, unless they're just selling an idea, which is not their soul. That's why I gamble with mine, because I like to gamble with my ideas. You guys do NFTs. I'm gonna put myself in the NFT. <laughs> 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 you know what's funny? People are literally putting their souls in the NFTs. They're putting their hearts in that shit. Um, and anyway, uh, hopefully it lasts. It is a very cool concept, honestly. Blockchain shit, cool concept. NFTs, though, I don't know. I don't know if that's the, the way straight to last. Anyway, selling your soul is fun. I gamble my soul in my podcast. Um, it's called uh, You Tweet You Me, and it's spiritual warfare. It's very fun. I like to let people win my soul, is mostly what it's about. Uh, a lot of it's if you think you win, then you win. Because it's quantum. Uh, that's how it has to be. You know, uh, it can be real winners or losers. If you feel like you're a loser, then I guess you feel like that. It's very fun. This is me putting the mic back on the counter. Mic back on the counter. Mic stand. Mic stand. Mic on. Mic on. Mic on. I have a song about uh, souls and shit. I like to to round out the the bit. I guess the tune of John Jacob Jacob Heimer Schmidt. It's a My soul is everybody's soul. So this soul is my soul too. And whenever I go on, I know there's no good sound. I'm looking at the soul. Um, that was my one bit about photographs that I was very doing, and I had to do it because it went over 10 minutes and I got the light and I had to get out of here. Uh, hello, you guys. How are you? So. That was a set. It was a set. It definitely was. I think in total I did five jokes in 24 minutes. <laughs> Opened with a very long version of Hello. That was pretty cool. 
I did my God is a Bully bit, which can be expanded on a little bit more, actually. But it's like, if the people aren't with me, if it's, I mean, that was a small crowd. But like, if the audience isn't with me, it could be like a three minute bit, or it could be like a seven minute bit. Because I have a bit about Noah already. I liked what I did with uh, the Tower of Babel where I just mentioned the sandcastle, that was pretty cool. I, the, the bit with uh, the, the dude who was supposed to kill his son and there's being a scribe in the tree, that feels like a ripoff of somebody else. I feel like I heard a joke about there being a scribe somewhere. Like a candid camera in the old days joke. It feels original, but I also feel like I've heard somebody do it before. So that part isn't like a stretch. But adding the bit about Noah in there is a stretch. Lengthens the bit. Also, the the accountability part that I left out that time. Lengthens the bit. Did my first joke. That was like three jokes in ten minutes. Uh, I know I slipped in at least one more. At least one more being the photograph bit. Wow, that might really be four jokes in 20 minutes. I was thinking of doing my my uh, bit about hookers and sex workers because I had like a five minute section of that, but like I didn't feel like talking about that. I didn't feel like talking about any of my other bits. Sometimes I'll listen to old episodes of this and I'll hear the bits I'm doing and I'll be like, oh, I'll try that one again but like lately even with having heard upwards of six episodes of my podcast in the last month actually two months like even then I still the bits weren't coming it's like no nothing's relevant this is a very intimate crowd you might as well do an introduction into a bit <laughs> and then count it as one bit. The whole thing. I feel like there's, I'm remembering coffee science for some reason, the mic at coffee science. I was doing different bits there. Like I had new bits, at least three shows at coffee science. I have no idea what those bits were though. But I do know that they're probably like three or four episodes back on this here podcast.
One of them was about looking into the sun. I still kind of do that bit. That one originated there, looking into the sun. I did a joke about the blockchain once. <laughs> she was, I was way into the quantum at that point. Mr. Curly Toth Deck, what do you think about this set here? We flip an internal Prince of Cups. That's an emotional Prince of Cups. The Watcher. There was also a podium I mentioned like three or four times. I kind of like stood behind the podium and said it was bizarro me. That was kind of fun. I wouldn't count that as a bit. Now all this left is however much I want to read of my notebook. Bonjour. going to light up a cigarette, a little ambient noise for, for my ASMR people. I feel like this would be the coolest ASMR video where I just talk about random shit on this podcast, <laughs> do everything. <laughs> it would just be like a clip of this podcast. ASMR people would be like, what the fuck? <sighs> See where I left off. Most likely left off at a picture. Yeah, I left off here. There's a good chunk of pages that I could probably read through pretty quickly. I think it's one diary entry and three stories. Last left off, the last sentence being, it's currently 1.02 p.m. on Thursday, September 30, classic. I uh, usually draw a small picture after I finish writing, so it's kind of like a bookmark. I thought about if I filled this book, like ways to sell it. Like, would I just make a photocopy of it? Because it's really about the writings themselves. I'm sure Apple could do some shit. Just take some pictures on an iPhone, send it to them. Send me back a book or some shit. Really cool with that. Scrapbooking technologies.
probably shouldn't read while smoking. Seems like it's going to be a problem turning pages. Also with the breathwork and cadence. Also, hopefully after I read this, I want to write more. That is the hope. All right, going into it. I shall elect to be my own intern. No date nor any information on that last post. Instead, we have a transition into the utilization. I've elected to do something a little more exciting than your average dream journal. I'm sitting and writing this out, thinking of which idea to get to best get to to best portray the whole. And this is the main point of the whole thing. No or very little context. A story like I figure it's supposed to be told. The thing that I will be practicing is not world building or rather letting the story tell the world, tell of the world. Just spit on the page. Anyway, uh, not world building or rather letting the story tell of the world. To say in more unease, unnecessary words, jeez, the handwriting. Uh, to say in more unnecessary words, did not I mention that this were the transition and not the explanation? Last night on the Instagram story, I made a dream inquiry about where the dragons be at and was awarded the answer in the city. I extrapolate the answer from interpreting the dreams. Now we have a question, an answer, and dreams themselves to work with. I will keep up with dating and time, not because of pressure, but for context, outside of the no context. We shall find ourselves in. And here, I guess, we found that notebook. <laughs> we found that the notebook up until here was all prologue. XXI. 10, 12 a.m. Sunday, October 10th. There's another picture. Cray fell asleep with intention. There were the candles set with the carvings of dream inquiry. The dream catchers swung side to side above the bed. Craig accepted the darkness with anticipation. There was the relaxation of his body, starting with his neck. Ah, oh, damn. There was the relaxation of his body, starting with his neatly placed limbs. <laughs> with the relaxation of his body, Craig could feel the slack in awareness that comes with sleep. Again, Cray went over his intentions. The candle and the dream catcher, the darkness, began to transform. First into colors, soft like auras, then softly colored static. 
Craig could see clouds that were quickly parting onto landscapes. A faintly recognizable neighborhood. He opened his bedroom door and looked at the hallway that seemed wrong. The house looked too big, and his room was supposed to be on the other side. Craig looked around his funhouse mirror version of his house. Normally, my room would be there, and this would be my sister's room. He moved through the house, but could not find his sister. The front door was dark and shady. Craig opened the door and outside. Cray opened the door and was outside of his house. His yard extended to the horizon on one side, and to the other side was the exact replica of his neighbor's house. Cray felt a presence and possibly danger coming. He turned to see a boat traveling on what used to be a ditch. The boat was aiming cannons his way. Then he could see his father step out on the deck. His father brought him his feelings of anxiety. Where was his mother? Cray watched as his father warned, waved. <laughs> Cray watched as his father waved and smiled, bringing Cray feelings of reassurance. His father pointed to the horizon, and Cray was off. He traveled by walking until he reached a highway. Then he rode a bike. Cray ended up in the city. People walked the streets going into shops and congregating. Cray went down a familiar street into a neighborhood. He walked up to a condo door and entered. The inside front room was dark. There was a wooden end table next to a brown couch in front of him. The door next to the end table led to a visible kitchen and hallway. There were two doors in the hall and another open space towards the back of the house. Cray sat in the front of a... <laughs> This is a spelling, I guess, a grammar error. I'll just read it like it said. Cray sat in front of a two next to his friend. His friend had a game going on the television. There was a small box in front of the TV on the floor. A wire came from the box and seemed to stop at where Cray could see his friend sitting. Cray was in the game watching as his friend jumped from platform to platform, feeling the, momentum of the, feeling the momentum of accomplishment. Then a fall, a view of the room Cray and his friend inhabit, the TV on the floor, the box, the wire, and a pile of blankets in the corner. In the game, Cray watches as the character reaches the pinnacle. The secret is revealed and Cray looks out at a room before driving on the city roads in search of the highway. It's night and the streets look dangerous. Cray drives on two-lane highways on the borders of swamps. He comes to a stop at a path that leads to a boat. He smiles. Cray wakes up in bed. The dragons are in the city. The candles burn out. As he looks at their melted remains, the dreamcatcher stops its turns. The end. One day, Cook went on an unexpected adventure. Cook was not adventurous by nature and usually wasn't around anyone fun. Cook's brother was a lot of fun, but Cook didn't know how to reach out. Cook arrived at his brother's house and knocked on the door. The buzzer rang and Cook heard a voice ask a question that he couldn't make out. Cook knocked again. 
in the grocery store, Cook stood around absent, absently while his brother picked out things from the coolers. We need orange juice and some good ginger for the fruit tea. Cook sat on a couch in the middle of what appeared to be a slumber party. People walked around with blankets, pillows, and a cup of tea. Cook's brother pulled a cup, pushed a cup into his hand. You can sleep here, drink the whole cup, and meet us on the island. The island was a sizable crescent, topped with white sand and clean blue water, clear blue water, <laughs> topped with white sand and clear blue water. <laughs> I wrote cool instead of cook. Uh, cook stood with his brother on a perfectly crowded beach. This is the dream. They went to the waterfall located on the point of the crescent. Cook hand glided down to the, the sands below. He took joy from all the smiling faces he could see from above. Cook walked to find his brother and ended up in a jungle next to a main road. Cook met a caretaker who showed Cook to his brother. This is a little slice of Allah. The Ah of Allah, if you will. The caretaker explained how this island is the arm and head of the body of the creator. Cook's brother gathered a group and dared to cross the jungle path, Cement Bridge. The bridge extended past what Cook could see in the distance. He hesitated. They came to an office building. The space was a big rectangle with an open middle. They walked through the building and out into the courtyard. Jeez, that was a hard sentence. They walked through the building and out into the courtyard. There was a guy tending to the gardens in the corner. Cook was reminded of the person who told him about the island. That person was nondescript and dressed in neutral, neutral colors, whereas the grounds tender in the courtyard looked to Cook like a physical representation of his anxiety. The guy wore red. Cook's brother stopped the group from going further. They all laughed, and the game of hide-and-seek began. The group backed out into the building as the groundskeeper walked toward them. As Cook worried about being caught, he lost sight of his brother in the group. As Cook noted the exchange, the process fueled itself until red was all he could see. October 22nd, 2021, 2.09 a.m. That was my birthday. The one was conferring with his father, the creator, about his cousin, Filth. He's everywhere, father, in the roots of the most beautiful places you have created. And what will you do about it? asked the creator. Can't you create a place outside of the nasty hands of entropy? The one pleaded. Can you? asked the creator. And with that, the conversation was over. The one sat in contemplation. Entropy lurked in the midst Doing his biddings for the world was his kingdom. Filth shadowed. Entropy. Filth shadowed entropy, learning from his father the tools of the trade. Filth longed to one day reach out past the world into the domain of degradation. Why is the creator king of degradation if you rule the world? <laughs> if you rule the world, father. <laughs> 
Why is the creator king of degradation if you rule the world, father? Filth asked Entropy. The creator is the king of degradation because we are his subjects. He feeds us when he creates, and so he dictates what goes through entropy and degradation. One day, Filth, I believe you will have enough influence to build a place that can stand up to your standards. Entropy showed Filth the collapsing star and all the dust that remained far after the light went out. What do you figure you can do with this? Entropy asked. Look, come see what I have made, father, the one excitedly beckoned the creator. I have made a place of crystal and noble gases, said the one. I have created it, so hopefully it is outside of your hands and free. <laughs> I created it, so hopefully it is outside of your hands and free of your folly, of degradation. Are you out of my folly? asked the creator. It will last that damn entropy. Uh, it will last damn that entropy, answered the one. And what do you think your gases accomplish? asked the creator. Immortality, says the one. It's not the world I created already immortal? asked the creator. Immortality without loss and filth, answered the one. Stagnation without degradation is true unconsciousness, said the creator. What you have created, my son, is a picture of perfection. Entropy watched as filth played with dirt and mud, making it into filthy landscapes. Do you plan to inhabit your space with people? Entropy asked. People are fleeting, answered filth, and they tend to hate me. Why would I include them? People, Entropy answered, are the manifestation of my mother in her own womb. They do tend to hate you, Filth, but that puts you in their minds. In their mind, Filth, is the womb of my mother. Your mother? Filth asked. Yes, Entropy answered. Mother Numo gave birth to the Creator and I. She is a truly whole and immortal being. And we are actually existing inside of her womb. How? Filth asked, exasperated. Have you not told me this before? Does the One even know about this? The One was in conversation with the Creator. I've spent some time among the people. They seem to be very in interested to inhabit... I'll try that one again. They seem to be very interested to inhabit the heaven I have created. The One paused. They worship me in hopes that I show them the way. They fear me that I might judge them unfit. They worship you because I've told them to. All praises to my father, I told them. They know nothing of your folly, and they trust me with their lives. And so you will experiment with their lives? The creator asked. Isn't that all the past is? retorted the one. Just experiments of power between you and entropy till the stasis we have today? Son, the creator answered, time and the past are a result of the stasis between entropy and I. The power that lies within the humans can destroy time as a logical concept. Know this before you make them empty promises. 
So you're saying that filth. Oh shit. So you're saying that filth said to even be birthed into the real world outside of the womb, we would have to literally be a nomu. Yes, Entropy answered. We would have to encompass the creative force as well as the entropic force, power over degradation and the world, and the spirit of the humans, all internally inside. Just, Filth chimed in, to be in the presence of the Mother Nemo. So, Entropy concluded, what can you make that is better than what we have going currently? The one sat in contemplation. If he could manipulate the hopes and dreams of the people, couldn't he convince them to do the work for him? The creator went to Entropy. Can you help me get through to the one? he asked. The one threatens the balance of the world. What seems to be the problem, brother? Entropy asked. The plan, the creator answered, seems to be to eradicate filth and entropy from his creations completely, and he plans to use the will of the people to accomplish his impossible feat. Does he know the potential the humans carry? asked Entropy. I hinted to their power and warning to the one, but he only heard what he wanted to about a great power that he would use to keep you and filth out. I fear that the folly he likes to throw in my face is truly and only him, himself, said the creator to Entropy. Kids, I have faith that my filth can reach your son, Entropy said. Filth has taken the absolute, astute, excuse me, filth has taken the astute path of knowledge and understands the equilibrium and still believes that he can create a new, better system inside of our own. Entropy paused. He will be eager to work with the one's unique influence over the people. And with that, the creator left with the hopes for mankind. And with that, the creator left with hope for mankind. Filth would save the one from himself and the people the one would hurt in experiments. Uh, I have to redo that sentence. Filth would save the one from himself and the people the one would hurt in experiments. I'm sending you to the one, Entropy said. Why, Filth asked. The one, Entropy answered, has many misconceptions about how things work, while also being very effective on people. The one needs a good peer like you, Filth, and in turn... You can learn how to manipulate people's inner wombs. All right, said Filth, but you have to introduce us. Filth accompanied Entropy to the One. I hear you have been fooling around in my kingdom, said Entropy. I do what I will, said the One. You know Filth, your cousin. He's been shadowing me and has learned most of what I have to teach, said Entropy. The One and Filth looked at each other. What is happening? asked the one. I admire the concept of the afterlife you've planted in the people, said Filth. I do not admire the concept of you, said the one. Either of you. My afterlife will be a place of perfection outside of entropy and filth, said the one. Outside is only Numu, entropy said. Filth will tell you of my mother, and he will explain why you are such 
a disappointment to the Creator and I. You may be good with the people, nephew, but you have a but you have a grasp on little else. Let filth bring you back into the fold. Filth looked at entropy. This is some introduction, Filth said. I'm going to leave you two together, Entropy said. Remember that Filth is both knowledgeable and competent. With that, Entropy left the one and Filth to themselves. After a silence, Filth said, I like your new idea of religion. It's inspiring, really, how you have them praying to the king of degradation. Yeah, I bet that does inspire you, answered the one. So, said Filth, the world is in the womb of the great mother Numo, and that makes it conceptually immortal. That was a weird-looking word. world is in the womb of the great mother Numo, and that makes it conceptually immortal. If we want to create an immortal space inside of the womb, it would have to be in the mind of the people. We can use your idea of religion to create a supreme afterlife in the wombs of the living. I can create an afterlife religion without you, said the one. You are a folly of my father, said the one. I shall cast out entropy and you, filth. But the mechanics, filth answered, we are much weaker separated. My space wouldn't work without the creator or you, or my space wouldn't work without the creator or you the one, nor would your space work without entropy and I. Have you even tried? asked the one. A little, answered Filth. Well, said the one, I am in the business of doing. I will create a religion that teaches the people to cast out filth Pray for the day they reach beyond entropy, said the one. I will shadow you as I've shadowed my father. I won't let you destroy the world, said Filth. Filth shadowed the one as he sowed. Filth shadowed the one as he sowed his religion of hate and subjugation. The one's followers went around the world spreading the ideals of a filth and entropy free afterlife through conquer and force. Filth slowly learned how to reach the people, and after a little practice, Filth began to sow a religion of free will. Filth's followers consoled other people's turmoil and spread the ideals of an afterlife universal to all life. Filth included knowledge of the great mother Numo and the tree of life that held every living being in harmony. Do you think you are better than me? asked the one. I am merely working around you so that your actions benefit my goals, said Filth. We'll see if you can benefit from these actions, said the one. The one proceeded to plant ideas and ideals that directly attacked Filth's religion as being evil. The one's followers slayed the placid followers of Filth, the womb that was the womb that was the mind of the people began to create a space known to the people as hell. Hell was known as the domain of filth. His followers were said to have come from hell and will return in the afterlife due to the inherent evil of their religion.
the womb of the people's minds, also begot another place that was thought of as a refuge from the persecution of one's religion. The place was known as heaven, nirvana, and many other names. The diverse followers of filth's religion came up with. Okay, that was one sentence. This place was known as heaven, nirvana, and many other names the diverse followers of filth's religion came up with. While hell consisted of filth and degradation, heaven consisted of oneness and creation. Both heaven and hell were thought of as outside of entropy, but were both enveloped inside of the world and minds of the people. Each person would populate their heaven and hell based off of their religions. The souls of the dead humans would populate the wombs of the living humans. The system became immortal. Congratulations, son, said the creator. You have created your own space immortal and comparable to my own creation. Existing in the minds of the living and populated by the souls of the dead. Are you satisfied, Lord of Hell? asked the creator. It's all folly, said the one Lord of Hell. Filth and degradation run rampant in the minds of my followers, like they don't understand my commandments to cast it out. I would like to call... Ugh, I said that like southern person. I would like to call this operation of the living and the dead in harmony quantum, said filth Lord of Heaven, to entropy. Eventually, my followers can create heavens to their liking and share them with the others in the me create heavens to their liking and share them with others in mandalas and religions. The dead will have many heavens they can exist in at the same time, said Filth. Very clever, said Entropy. What about the followers of the One, Lord of Hell? asked Entropy. I suspect that the Lord of Hell will create more religions that attempt to course-correct the simple misgivings, and those religions will allow for my followers to work in the shadows, to bring as many souls out of their hells of persecution. All of my, all my followers need do is accept them for being misguided. With trust, the followers of the One Lord of Hell will open their access to wombs that aren't obsessed with filth and degradation. And the world, said Entropy, will be a much better place. That is the notebook. I uh, definitely would like to smoke a cigarette. Flip a card about this shit. shall not be selling those stories until <laughs> I figure out a way to do the whole book in some type of medium that can be given to people. But it is here now. And as it is here, I should make more to put here.
Almost finished shuffling poorly with the cigarettes in my hand. That's the Crowley Toad Attack. What do you think about the notebook reading? We flip an external Knight of Cups. This has been a very cuppy podcast. Knight of Cups, water emotions. Interesting. Gonna round out the podcast with Spiritual Warfare, which was advertised in that last stand-up set. I don't know if I did it last episode. Probably not. Last episode was like almost four hours, though. Didn't need a night camp. All right. Uh, it's going to be Spiritual Warfare. It's a road card battle. It's where you can win. So get yourself a tarot deck. Shuffle the cards, we flip them, we use the cards to uh, turn the battle in our favor. And if you think you win, then you do indeed win. That's how the game works. I can't wait to do my podcast uh, recap, I guess it would be called, podcast recap. And I'll play spiritual warfare with myself. <laughs> That'll be fun. Uh, okay, uh, we're going to shuffle and flip. Use the cards to your advantage to uh, attack and or defend. If you think you win, then you win. One, two, three, flips. A flip queen of cups. A cup again. Freaking cups. With the queen of cups, uh, it's a reflecty looking card. I'll create a mirror world that you'll be obsessed with. And then in the real world, I'll sneak up behind you and steal the soul. You'll never know. You'll be distracted by the mirror world. Devious plans. Gonna shuffle again. One, two, three, flip. I flip completion. Number four of wands. Completion. This is wands. Wands are fire and intent. With this card, I'll take away... Your intent to complete your actual attack and or defense. Completion number four. I'm gonna do one more round. Wait a second. Alright, shuffle in, shuffle in, shuffle in. One, two, three, flip. I flip truce, number four of swords. 
These are low numbers, but you know, pretty good. Four of swords, truce. Uh, what can I do with the truce? Swords of wind and intelligence. I guess with this, I would come up with a treaty that uh, benefited me more than you. <laughs> and slowly leak soul through the treaty. That has been Spiritual Warfare Tarot Card Battle. Hope you won yourself some soul. Fare thee well. This has been another episode of You Tweeted, You Being Did. I am your host, Lord Byron, also known as Byron Broussard, a.k.a. Black Rocker on Twitter, Lord Black Rocker on Instagram, I'm not just me.com. Go check out the merch, buy my short stories. They're all pretty cool. Um, yeah, this has been episode 128. Was it farce? Damn. Forge. Some F word. I think we could figure this out. Maybe you cannot figure this out. I have the record of the first part of this. Oh, I would need headphones to figure it out. Oh no. I'm going to do risky Risky moves. This is the end of the episode. Uh, in case it cuts out or some shit. You can't end like that. Episode 128 Flank.